If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Shooting the Shit Uncensored. I am your host, the bald, the beard, the beautiful Piers Austin. And tonight, this morning, today, wherever you are in the world, whatever time it is, it does not matter as long as you are here with us live. I have a very special guest. I have the man himself, Wildcat Chris Harris, and I am really excited to have him on. Uh, I've been a, a, a huge appreciation, appreciator and fan of his work. Uh, just a, amazing talent and really excited to have him on tonight. But before I bring out Mr. Wildcat Chris Harris, I just want to take a quick second, a quick pause to thank some of those fine sponsors that help us keep the lights up, up in this bitch going. Because you know those strobe light colors cost a lot of money to run. First up is... A Rock Designs. Now, A Rock Designs is that company that you are always hearing me rave about, always hearing me talk about. You're always seeing it in the wrestling groups, the wrestling pages, the Instagram pages, the Facebook pages. They make custom cups, hoodies, keychains, t shirts, tumblers, you name it, they make it. They even say they can monogram your fucking dog, but they do not recommend it. They made me my custom uh, CM Punk tumbler, which I absolutely love. Keeps my cold drinks cold, my hot drinks hot. And, you know, I'm able to sit here doing uh, shows, talking to amazing people uh, and, you know, always have a fresh drink. So it's 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 a definite handy thing. Check them out. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. You can find them at arockdesigns.com. Uh, as I said, amazing price for an amazing product. So, guys, make sure you check it out. Next up is Signal Studios. Now, Signal Studios is that recording studio based in Sydney, Australia. So if you're a musician, you're looking for a place to rehearse, a place to jam, a place to get your creative juices f -f 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 flowing, then you will not find a 
in any more comfortable rehearsal space than Signal Studios based in Westride in Sydney, Australia. Make sure you check it out. Or if you're an independent professional wrestler, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, but you need some new entrance music, you need something hip, something dope, something fly, something woke, whatever the cool kids are saying these days, then you can hit up Signal Studios on all social media platforms. They can mix, master, produce, and send any type of track out to you worldwide, baby! And you know what, guys, as well, they work with amazing artists like the Cicadas Band, who uh, you know provide all the music for the shows here on the MWA Podcast Network. And guys, talking about the MWA Podcast Network, make sure you check out Alan Kiwi Funk Show, Get Funked, every Thursday at 7 p.m. USA Eastern, which is 9 a.m. on Friday mornings. And also check out Killing the Business, which will be on in a matter of hours at 10 a.m. Australian time, which was going to be 8 p.m. USA Eastern with Killing the Business with ECW Original, The Kingpin, Angel Medina. And then, guys, we know you always want to get a bit more wrestling, so you need to check out Knights of the Gimmick Table as well with the Dead Presidents, Boogaloo and Lowrider. You know, they talk about their time in Gleason's. They bring on guests that they've trained with, guests that they've been up and down the roads with, telling great, amazing stories. So make sure you check out the amazing shows here on the MWA Podcast Network because uh, we're nonstop in giving you as much entertainment as we can. Uh, we got some people in the chat. we got Christopher here tonight. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we got Maz as well. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I am feeling sleepy, bro, but uh, I'm excited, I'm pumped, and I'm wide awake, ready to go. But I'm going to bring out my guest, Mr. Wildcat, Chris Harris. Chris, thank you so much for coming on, sir. Hey, Piers, man. Thank you for having me, man. I'm I'm looking forward to this. So am I, man. I've been looking forward to this all week, dude. Uh, You know, as I was saying in the intro, you know, I really enjoyed your work. Uh, in TNA with America's Most Wanted, and and you know I was a fan, uh, you know that like it really sort of drew me in that tag team. I thought it was really cool concept, and and you know just like the two outlaws, man, it, you know it, it sort of drew me in as a young fan. But uh, you know, go, getting into the business, man, like you know, growing up, were you? Uh, you know, a, a huge fan all the time. Were you watching wrestling, you know, consistently, consistently as a kid? Yeah, man, I was, I was one of those that was uh, like back in those days, it was a uh, Saturday morning wrestling. And uh, so I would, I would get up and I'd be watching the Saturday morning wrestling. I was glued to the TV um, when we were watching, man, that's when the, that's when the wrestlers were like superheroes, you know, they were like larger than life. And uh, I really got into that. And became a huge fan, um, almost obsessed with it. Uh, but I didn't, it wasn't until I was um, in my high school years that I really thought about uh, maybe doing this for, for a living. But, you know, it was still a dream at that point. But um, I did what we were all taught to do. I went to college. I spent about two years in college, still had no idea what, I, what direction I wanted to take. And I always fell back to wrestling. I just kept thinking about wrestling and uh, couldn't get it off my mind. And I really felt like I could, you know, make a run at this. And um, so after about two years, I um, I, I left college and, and I just figured um, if I'm going to do it, I better do it now. I mean, you know, I can't wait. So so uh, I pursued it, man, and uh, found a training center and and went from there. When you first went to the training center, was it like? You know, was it a legit training center? Because, you know, you hear in wrestling, like, there's a lot of carnies, 
you know, did you find a good trainer straight off the bat or was your first trainer someone that you were like, that's one thing. Yeah. That's one thing that I, I, I did do. I, uh, I researched it and, uh, really wanted to go to one that was credible. Um, and, uh, you know, that this goes back even before my time, but there was a, there was a place called the monster factory. Um, that was uh, a lot of trained, a lot of, a lot of, uh, big name guys, and they were run by by three different guys. But once the Monster Factory went down, those three split and ran their own training center. One of them was Charlie Fulton. And um, he was up in Marion, Ohio, where I'm from the Cincinnati area. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, I don't even know what to call them. You know, you said Carney uh, training centers. But, yeah, I mean, it just seems like anybody can get in and, and train now. And uh, you just it's just not credible. And. You know, I'm, I just don't agree with it. You know, instead of just finding something in your area, you know, I drove three and a half hours to get to this training center, got the shit beat out of me for three hours and had to drive three and a half hours back home and be mm-hmm. back up next morning for my, for my regular job. So, um, yeah, I did some research, man. And I felt like I got some really good, credible training, uh, at that training center. And then, um, I made my debut and then that's when I got hooked into a more of a local uh, training center that was also very credible. And uh, I just kind of completed my training there. And, you know, one, once you sort of completed your training, how long before you started having matches? Uh, let's see. I trained, uh, I trained all of 94. Uh, I debuted at, towards the end of 94. Um, I had maybe three matches in that, that Northern promotion uh, until I got hooked up with the one more based out of Cincinnati. Um, that was like uh, maybe February of 95. Um, so my debut was no- November of 94. So I-, I trained for close to a year. Um, but since I was driving so far, like a lot of guys train two to three times a week. Since I was driving so far, I was just once a week. Um, so, the, yeah. you know, it, it went for close to a year, uh, once a week. Um, and, uh, they, they debuted me in, uh, November 94, uh, started doing shows in the Cincinnati area, um, towards the beginning of 95. And, and that's when I started working more of a, a weekly basis and, um, really started getting my experience, you know, and, you know, what we call paying the dues. Yeah. And, you know, with, with paying the dues, you know, was that, that obviously includes like going, setting up the ring uh you know driving uh veterans around etc but you know how long did you did you find that you went through that process of paying dues uh let's see i uh i did the indies for uh like i didn't get my my big start until towards the end of 99 so it was a good uh five years that i uh and, and this is the thing i think it's kind of like a lost art nowadays because you know, a lot of guys, they, you know, they don't pay their dues. There's just, there's, there's so much out there, which is a good thing. I don't want to say it's not. Um, it's a, there's a good thing that there's a lot of opportunities out there, but you know, sometimes you have to get on the road and, and, and make these road trips and drive all these miles and, you know, you get paid shit money and, um, but you get the experience, you know, I, I, I tell, you know, I get asked by a lot of the young guys, you know, you know, what's your, what's your advice to, to young guys. And the first thing that comes out of my mouth, is, you know, get as much experience as you can. And mm. that includes the good and bad. I mean, you're going to have some great experiences and hopefully make some great contacts because that's that's where you get somewhere in this business. It's, 
you know, unfortunately it's who, you know, and what, you know, what they can do for you. Um, but, uh, but that's why I tell them, you know, you, you're going to have bad experiences. You're going to have bad matches. You're going to wrestle some bad workers. Uh, but you got to chalk that up and it, it's just, it's supposed to make you a better worker. And so by the time you get that opportunity, you can be ready. Um, so yeah, I, I did it for, uh, for about five good years. I was, um, you know, around this area, when I say this area, you know, like, um, uh, Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, West Virginia, Tennessee, you know, those, those kind of areas around here, I, I was, you know, making the shows and sometimes getting to work, you know, three, four times a week, which was, you know, really good. Um, so I was getting experience. So, um, once I got my uh, big opportunity, I got, I started, uh, messing around in the Nashville territory, which that got me hooked up with WCW. So, um, I felt like, you know, but it, it, it gave me the, um, the experience. And, you know, the thing is, once you get put in that environment, it's all new to you. So you're, you're never going to be perfectly ready for it. But having enough under your belt, um, what you got to be ready for whatever they throw at you. You, you can be prepared for and hopefully you shine and, and, you know, they're happy with the result. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you touch base on, you know, being getting signed with WCW. And when you were there, I actually heard that you were, that someone proposed a country West, like a country singer gimmick to you. Um, you know, is that true? And if so, how did that come about, about being put forward to you? And what were your feelings about the gimmick? Uh, well, yeah, first off, I was just happy to be there. Uh, you know, the, back back then, you know, the, the, there was the big two, WWE and WCW. So to be signed by one of the big two was a, a huge dream of mine. So to, to even make it to that level, um, I thought was great. Of course, it was the end of WCW. So there was so much going on. And, you know, of course, it was, it was on its way downhill. Mm-hmm. So they weren't really concentrating on a lot of the young talent. Um, they were, I think everybody was just kind of, you know, worried about, uh, the, the positioning of the company and, and what direction it was happening. But, but we were getting some, some good matches. I, I wrestled some, some great stars and, um, they were happy with my work and what a lot of people don't know about, it's just kind of forgotten, but back in, um, I guess it was 99 or 2000, um, I was in a country music video. And uh, it did really well on the the CNT charts, and uh, it was a it was a it was a video by Clay Davidson. Uh, you don't hear much about him nowadays, but um, it was a it was a wrestling based actually not not it was a wrestling based video, but the song you could kind of contribute to uh, any kind of showbiz, and they they made a video out of wrestling, and I was the I was the main focus wrestler in there. Oh wow. And um, it was a really cool video, man. I mean, you know, the people that do ask about it, man, it's 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 uh, it's fun to go back and watch. But but it, it was so fresh at that time that they came up with that idea to debut me with that video. And honestly, I, and I said this back then, and I think I still it still holds true today. But that's a very unique way to debut somebody. It had never been done. And mm. so I thought I thought it was kind of cool to to maybe pursue something like that because you know somebody in a video if you know maybe show clips or packages or anything like that to to debut a new character and um, when they came up with it I I thought it was a great idea um, they even talked about sending me in a direction of uh, with Jeff Jarrett because he was he had been doing kind of like that 
I don't know if you call it country Southern kind of, you know, with the guitar and yeah. things like that. So they had talked about a direction with him where I could actually work a program with him. Um, but it really, uh, to, to tell you the truth, it didn't last long. It was in the talking stages. And um, what I had heard was that, and I kind of laugh at this, but they, they wound up saying it was almost too country, too Southern kind of a, mm. kind of a thing to do. Which the reason I chuckle about that is because we've always considered WWE is like the the northern uh, New York kind of kind of territory. Yeah. WCW is a southern territory. You know what? What? How's it too southern or country? So, so it was kind of shut down right then, and um, mm. you know I didn't have I didn't have any any pull, so it wasn't like I could pull for it. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, that was true, man. They they brought up the idea. <laughs> um, I wish we would have done something with it. Um, I don't know how long it would have lasted because the company was only in business for another year. So, um, but yeah, man, it would have been cool, but that, yeah, that there, there's some truth to that. So, you know what, it's, it's interesting because like when I heard about it, I thought, okay, so it's kind of going to be like Jeff Jarrett in the mid nineties with yeah. the, yeah. But way you're describing it, it sounds like it was going to be a more, you know, around that sort of time, that 99, 2000, which it was like the, the characters were a much more aggressive and in your face uh, sort of style. So, you know, and to have sort of be linked with Jeff Jarrett, who at that time, you know, had really sort of flipped the switch on his career and took it to a main event level. Yeah. He had, he had become, you know, he had kind of left the, the mid nineties double J and uh, kind of became a more serious uh wrestler with it but he still had the guitar so you know it, it still would have worked um but yeah i think it would have mm. been more of a updated version of it so um i could have take, taken it to a more serious level to where i think the fans would have more appreciated it and hopefully got into it yeah no absolutely and you know when you know you were there at wcw near the end like looking at how it was did you see the signs of a company failing when you were there or were you just to into the moment of being signed to WCW and, and being under contract to a main company and working on being the best performer you could be. Yeah, I was, I was definitely in the moment because I was trying to appreciate um, what I had achieved and the road that got there. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, being in, in the, the business for, you know, five or six years at that point, um, there were a lot of things going on. A lot of things they were putting on TV where, you know, people at home were probably shaking their heads while I was, I was in the back kind of shaking my head. Like I, I don't get this. I don't understand it. I don't see how this is, you know, that it was, that was a big ratings time. So I didn't see how the, the ratings were doing real well, but, but one of the things I noticed because I, I really wasn't on the inside track. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't one of the big stars. I was just one of the young guys, you know, but uh, doing what I was told, um, so I think the talk was there. I, I wasn't privy to a lot of that uh, inside talk. But the, the thing that I did notice was that the shows we were going to, and I wasn't on house shows. In fact, I think they stopped doing house shows. But the Nitros, the Thunders, um, when they used to be packing the houses in, man, I'd look out the curtain and I'd see the crowd. And uh, the crowds were definitely dwindling. So, um, yeah, it, it, it didn't. You know, you don't have to be a brainiac to figure out that, you know, we're, we're not going in the right direction. So. So, yeah, I saw a little bit of it. And um, I think towards the end, um, 
uh, you know, I'd signed my contract, but towards the end, I, you know, there was, a, there was more talk as far as, you know, what's going to happen with the company. And, you know, then there was talk about it being sold. And um, it wasn't long after that, you know, like the, I think they, they made it till April, 2001 and they stopped bringing me in probably beginning of that year. So I, I missed the last few months, uh, you know, just you know, they budget cuts, I guess they just, uh, you know, they just were cutting off the the low end guys. And so they stopped bringing us in, but um, yeah, unfortunately I thought, and that, you know, it was, it, that that was you know once you make it to one of those big two for something like that for something mm-hmm. like that you know one of those big two companies going out of business it was just unheard of man i couldn't believe it were you under contract with wcw yeah i started going in just uh per date and um i was doing a lot of security they were putting us in the security roles like on nitro and thunder but uh, i was getting matches on they had the wcw saturday night show then they had a Sunday worldwide show and we were getting matches on those shows. Um, of course I was, you know, I, I was enhancement talent. So I was, but I was having competitive matches with everybody. I and mean, I got the, I had matches with Booker T, Shane Douglas, Kurt Henning, a uh, number of other guys, you know, so I, I really, I, I had a number of good matches in there and I think they were happy with my work. Um, it's just the company just wasn't going anywhere. So, uh, I, I signed, I think, in October of 2000. Um, I had been there all of 2000. They offered me the contract in October. So I was there about um, – I was under contract for about six months before they went down. Were you still under contract when the, com- when the company got sold? Yes. Um, I, I think I got paid for like 90 days, but um, I hadn't been there in a while. So, I was yeah, I was under contract still, but um, – it was, yeah, it was, it was still over. I mean, mm. that was all she wrote. <laughs> so with the contract, did WWE like get in contact with you and say, Hey, you're under contract with WCW, your contract rolls over or we're terminating. Like um, what was I, the conversation yeah, like? The, well, the guys at my level, I think were just cut off. Um, they're, you know, they had just, they had just um, purchased a whole company. There was, you know, you can imagine the number of, uh, wrestlers that they were looking at. Um, of course, we know a lot of the top guys, they, uh, they still had so much time on their contracts. So they just sat at home and got paid, you know, a lot of those big names. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the guys at my level were just kind of cut off, you know, they, you know, weren't really looking. I think some of the guys went to a developmental territory. Um, yeah. So they, they mainly looked at uh, some of the mid to high co- uh, level talent, you know, like Booker was one of them and, uh, uh, Hugh Morris right. at the time they brought in, you know, so some of those mid card that they really thought they could do something with, those are the ones they took a look at. So, yeah, I really didn't have a chance. I mean, they were going to, they were going to look at the um, guys at my level to, to come in. Lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So did no one ever spoke to you about terminating your contract? They just went, yeah, just, just let just it fade away? Out. Yeah, it just ran out. Wow. So imagine if you'd signed like a three-year deal and you're just sitting there, you know. I wish I would have, man. That, that, that would have been great. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, dude. I that would have, that would have taken me to the TNA days, so I, I would have been paid that whole time. Yeah, exactly. But you know, what? Where did you go from WCW? Like, obviously, TNA was you know started in around two thousand two, but like between in between then, what were you doing to keep yourself active? Uh, well, I, I hit the Indies again, um, had to do that. But I, I went back to uh, the Nashville territory. And I know when I say territory, they weren't really territories back then. But um, I went back there, um, not full time, but I was I was wrestling mostly in that area, um, trying to just just trying to get by on what I was making because um, I had I had reached that level where I was you know making a living as a pro wrestler. So for <laughs> for me to go back to, uh, you know, like thinking of getting a regular job or something was just, you know, heartbreaking. So I was doing everything I could to not have to do that. Um, and so I was just, I was just trying to get by, man. And then there was a, there was another promotion. This, this ha- kind of happens as you go through the years of, of wrestling, you know, there, you hear rumblings of people talking about starting up companies and, um, you know, it just never happens, you know, I mean, you, you almost need you know millions of dollars to do it, but, there was one company um, that uh, they had brought in some decent names for. Uh, they had Barry Windham, Kurt Henning. Uh, they were talking about bringing Terry Taylor in to help run it. You know, so uh, um, there were a few of us that they brought in for for young talent, and uh, you know, we were kind of hoping this thing was going to take off. We had some decent shows, but the, the 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 money just wasn't there. You know, we were it was it was so hard getting paid by them and. Um, I think the promoter actually wound up going to jail for, you know, some kind of fraud or something like that. So, yeah, so that, that carried me for a few months, but, um, but yeah, man, I was struggling. I was struggling, but I was still believing in myself and, um, felt like, you know, that, you know, hopefully something's around the corner. Um, at that point, you know, WCW is gone, ECW is gone. Um, you know, you just had the Indies, which weren't as popular as they are now, but, um, you can still get your experience. The only thing that was out there was WWE, which you know kind of sucked for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think at, at the time as well, like two thousand <laughs> to two thousand like five six, the indies were pretty hot in the states. You know, around you know the the East and Philly and New York and Jersey and those type of areas. Like indie wrestling was was at a peak at that time, but it just I suppose depends where you were wanting to go and wrestle and what promotions you wanted to work for. But WWE was the only main main event player in town for a while. Yeah. And then, you know, TNA come comes in and I think every I, I think a lot of people and a lot of fans saw TNA, uh NWA TNA is kind of like, okay, here comes like the reincarnation of WCW. And I think they, because they had World Wrestling All Stars as well, come in and and you know very similar sort of uh, style. But you know TNA really came in and 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 it wasn't like anything like WCW. It was a completely different um, look and feel to it. And the thing about it was 
they came in, you know, with a different concept of, you know, the weekly pay-per-views um, and also the talent that they brought on as well. So surely, yes, they had, you know, some name value there, um, but then also the younger talent that they they brought in from the start as well to really sort of build the company, the X division, the tag team division like yourself. But how did you get involved with TNA? Uh, well, kind of, kind of. Actually, I got a question for you. Uh, during that time, before uh, in between WCW and TNA, didn't they? I think you even mentioned it. Worldwide All Stars or something. Wasn't that something they did overseas, like to Australia or something? Or yeah, yep, yep. So they did it. In, wasn't Hogan uh, involved with that? And uh, no, 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 no. Hogan wasn't involved. Uh, World Wrestling All Stars. Jarrett was involved in it. Uh, a promoter called uh, Andrew McManus, who, oh, who's yeah, Australian. Yeah. He he's an event promoter. Uh, they bought out, I believe they bought out uh, Bret Hart, Jerry Lawler, Road Dog, Steiner, uh, AJ Styles. Like they they bought out a lot of the young TNA talent as well for a few shows. So I think they, uh, <clears throat> I mean, that, that kind of goes in that category of another promotion, you know, they were trying to get going and, uh, you know, just never, never took off. But um, yeah, the early part of uh, 2002, I don't even want to say early. I mean, it was maybe, you know, uh, a few months in, but uh, you know, there was another, there was other rumblings of uh, another promotion starting up. And since I was in, I was wrestling around Nashville, you know, that, which is where it was based at the time. Um, there was rumblings about uh, starting another promotion. And, uh, of course, I was excited. Um, I was gung-ho about, you know, making something work again. But it's always in the back of my mind, like, okay, here we go again. You know, another promotion trying to start. And, you know, we'll see how far it goes. And um, But I had, had heard uh, that Jeff Jarrett was involved. And um, and uh, he was he, – and his father was involved, which, you know, they had, they had run their own promotion before – um, and, uh, you know, Jerry, Jerry, Jarrett was very respected in the business. So, uh, and I knew Jeff had his connections, you know, like a lot of production people were WCW people. Um, you know, he brought in some, uh, some decent talent and, um, we, had, uh, one of, one of the, I guess it, you would call it an indie show. It was kind of like a tryout show for uh, TNA. Um, they had some of the talent on the show and that this was in Nashville uh, but they were also kind of testing out some of the, you know, the producers and, uh, you know, the agents. And uh, they were doing a broadcast team. Uh, I think that's when they brought uh, Don West in to give him a tryout. Uh, but on that card, Storm and I actually wrestled each other. The, the promoter, Burt Prentice, um, he was a big promoter down in Nashville and uh, really did a lot for my career. But he uh, he wanted to put the best out there, and um, he was looking to do something with Storm and myself. And so he thought, even though we were both pretty hot baby faces at the time, he wanted to put us together and uh, try to try to give him a, a good show and show what we could do. So so he put us together. We went out, and it's still to this day one of my favorite matches. You know, Storm and I really tore the house down that night, and uh, and uh, the TNA guys were watching, and I. Uh, you know, the story goes when I came back, you know, I looked right at Jeff because I had known Jeff from WCW. So I looked at Jeff and, uh, you know, of course, he had a lot of things going on that night. But he looked at me, he winked and he said, we'll be in touch. And within that week, 
Uh, he had Bob Ryder, which he had worked with uh, with WCW, and you know, Bob yeah. was very, very uh, instrumental in getting TNA off the ground. But uh, within that week, Bob had contacted Storm and myself and offered uh, offered a contract for that uh, first show. And was it like, for, did they tell you what the plan was for you to when they signed you, like that they were going to make you a tag team? Was there any discussion with, or were you thinking you were going in there as a single? Yeah, the, well, the <laughs> I kind of laugh at it now, but yeah, Storm and I were had been, had been singles in our whole career, so yeah, we get we get offered this opportunity. We're thinking we're going to be big single stars, uh, but no, they had no no direction. Uh, they didn't give us any ideas. We just knew we were going to be part of that first show, and I don't say that begrudgingly because they had so much going on. I mean, they were they had uh, you know they were uh, starting this promotion. They had to put everything into that first show. Um, they had to bring in a few names, you know, to get attention. We, we needed some big names in there, but they were also pretty big on the young talent. Um, you know, they knew that they needed young stars. And uh, um, the way I always looked at it was they saw talent and Storm and I, they knew that they wanted us a part of it. They just didn't know what the hell to do with us. So um, we were part of that first event. Uh, I think Storm is in a tag match. I was in the uh, – they had a gauntlet for the gold. Uh, I was in that. But by the second show, um, and, and the way I always tell it is I, they had no direction, so I think they just took us and said, let's just put them together and see what happens. And so by that second show is when we had the we had our first match. And uh, they started using us, you know, after that. And, and Storm and I kind of looked at it like, hey, yeah, man, you know, this is not what we planned. But if this is what they're going to give us, if this is our op- big opportunity, let's let's if they're going to put us in a tag team, let's make it the best tag team we can. And and Storm and I are both old school guys, so we were big fans of the you know a lot of the '80s and early '90s tag teams. You know the Rock and Roll yeah. Express, Midnight Express, the Horsemen, Heart Foundation, Bulldogs. You know, guys, th- those guys were they were solid tag teams, man. And that's that's what we applied to. Uh, to the dark, the, the concept that, that we had, you know, they were going to put us together. And so we were going to do everything we could, man, to get the attention. And, and that's what we did. And um, I feel pretty confident that we, uh, we made it work. Man, I think you definitely did. Like, uh, you know, you go down in, in, in history in TNA as yeah originals of that company that, that really sort of set it on fire to begin with. But how did it, how did the, the American most wanted, name and the gimmick of that come to be it just adapted man i think that's how a lot of things happen once we saw something working we would just try to take it to the next level and the next level the name itself i have to give the credit to storm um uh he came up with that name i thought it was a badass name man i just thought it was really Mm -hmm. cool And, and there's a lot of little uh i guess you call them gimmicks you know we could we could start adding to the team to make us and you even said it it may have been off camera but um you know we were like badass outlaws you know yeah. of course we didn't use the outlaw name uh but um yeah didn't he came up with, he came up with America's most wanted he he likes to tell a story that um in one of our uh, one of our uh, many nights out uh on the Nashville town uh i guess we had uh you know a, a, I don't want to say it was a confrontation, but we were talking to the cops and I'm sure they were being cool, but um, they kind of joked with us and said, you guys better be careful. Or you're going to wind up on America's most wanted. And uh, I don't remember that part, but if storm says it happened, it happened. 
And uh, he had the idea and he brought it, man. And I was like, let's do it. And uh, the, 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 the story goes with it, man. Um, especially in wrestling, you always worry about the copyright. Um, yeah. that, was, that was big. And so anytime we brought that up, we were kind of shut down for the name. Um, but we were so gung ho about it and willing to take the chances. Um, but they weren't, they weren't buying it. And so we just took it step by step. And, uh, I think one of the first things we did was we got, you know, this is after we got matching, uh, matching trunks, but we had AMW put on our ass and, uh, it just kind of threw it out there to where, you know, either people knew or they didn't know, but they were going to wonder what that meant. And so little by little, it started getting around that, okay, it means America's most wanted. We weren't saying that, but it was, it was America's most wanted. Well, then they, um, Mike Tanay was a, a good supporter of us, uh, knew him from WCW. He was on commentary and it just kind of grew and grew to where we eventually got Mike to start throwing pieces out there of either AMW or, uh, America's most wanted. And, you know, he would, he would mention it on commentary that snowballed into where, uh, same thing. We were very close with Jeremy Borash. He was doing the ring announcing back then, but he was always announcing us as Harrison Storm. Well, it got to the point where, you know, even he gave in and he'd, uh, he, he started announcing this as America's most wanted and boom, it just took off, man. And, uh, you know, we never ran into a problem as far as copyright, thank God, because, you know, now it's uh, America's most wanted. It's in the history books. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, <laughs> but the, I, I love the way that you just worked everybody to get it in. And it's like <laughs> the powers that be just like, Oh, what are they doing? Okay, okay, yeah, AMW, yeah, okay, cool. And then, like a couple weeks later, it's America's Most Wanted. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they just didn't even get a cho- choice in the matter. You know, at some point, they had to look at themselves and say, "Didn't we say no to this?" You know, how the hell did that get on TV? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there was never any heat from it. No, they. I think they liked what they were seeing because at this point, when it finally started taking off, that's when we were getting attention. You know, we were having some great matches. Uh, they really trust us. We were on every show. Uh, they trust us. Uh, you know, they could put any team with us and we could have a great match. And they knew that in a, in a two hour program that they were going to get a great tag team match that way. So, uh, you know, I don't think they fought it. Um, you know, once it started taking off, they were like, you know, these guys got something, so let's roll with it. And what was the, the, the thought when they brought in Gail Kim to, to add with you guys? Well, that was actually many years later. Um, that wasn't until uh, I think uh, maybe oh five or oh six. Oh, okay. And uh, so we had already uh, we had you know been there a, a few years already, and you know got the notice of the wrestling world, and uh, we have you know a few tag title reigns under our belt, and uh, we're going. But you know we were big uh, we were big fan favorites, man. You know we were big baby faces. You know, everywhere we went, the crowds were with us, and. Um, so the entrance of Gale was um, once we did the, that heel turn. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but it was uh, it was called controversy in Canada. But that's when uh, mm-hmm. we uh, we helped Jeff Jarrett regain the the title and aligned ourselves with Jeff, which Jeff had you know an intense heat back in those days. So to get aligned with him already, you know, put us you know put us in a bad eye with the with the fans. But then the addition of Gale. Uh, I think just completed the package, man. She, uh, you know, Gail was awesome talent in her own right. But when she first came in, she wasn't doing a lot of wrestling. She was just kind of valeting, mostly for us, but some for Jeff as well. And uh, 
just the addition of her, man, you know, being, being heels out there, we could use her in any capacity we wanted, you know, as long as of course we knew the, the psychology of the match and, you know, where to put her and when to, when to do it. Um, it just added so much, man. So, um, yeah, I, I don't remember us, you know, I don't think we ever, uh, you know, said we were against that. We were just open because we were changing our characters. So, uh, the addition of, you know, or the the alignment of Jeff and then the addition of Gail, I thought that was a complete package for the heel run. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that, you know, adding that element into it, like, you, you know, did you find, like, it also kept America's Most Wanted fresh? Like, after a few years, like 2002, like two, three, four, you know, three years in, do you think that that was like kind of like the refresh and a little bit of a reboot that you guys needed just to sort of tweak the, uh, the gimmick? Yeah, I do. I think it really added, man, because, uh, I don't think we were stale. Um, I mean, I don't know if some people, I don't, they, no, no, I'm, just, I'm not saying you were. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they look back and some people may say that, I don't know, but I don't think we were, but I think, I think the, the whole, uh, repackaging, uh, really added to it because people really did hate us, man. And, and Storm and I knew how to be heels. You know, we mm-hmm. weren't out there to to be cool heels, even though I, I think in a way we kind of were. But, you know, we really went out there to try to get heat. And uh, those people hated us, man. So, um, yeah, I think the whole repackage, I think it added to us. And uh, what a lot of people don't know is um, – and, and I'm a I'm, – I'm one. Of, I'm a Russo fan. Uh, you know, I, the guy. The guy takes a lot of heat, but um, I'm a Vince Russo fan. But back in, uh, let's see, the company started in '02. You know, we were doing some great things that first year. Well, they they had ideas of breaking us up in '03 already. Um, you know, really? It's just um, uh, Vince had some great ideas, but he also likes to kind of shotgun a lot of stuff. And uh, you know, when you got something going good with the tag team, you know, it's like, okay, well, let's split them up and have them feud. And, you know, we'll see what we can get out of that. So there was talk of splitting us up in 03. And even though I still consider us, you know, we were young guys trying to keep our mouth shut. We saw we had something going. So we actually spoke up and I, you know, I don't know if there was some heat on us, but, um, you know, we spoke up and said, you know, we really think we can, you know, there's more life in this and we can keep going. So, uh, you know, there was, there was a little back and forth. Uh, as far as storyline goes, but uh, they wound up keeping us together. And, uh, you know, we stayed another few years and then the, the little twist with the heel turn. Um, so, yeah, man, I, th- I think uh, we got a good run out of that because uh, back in those days, um, I don't know if a lot of people can remember back in like the, the 0203 era. And like we said before, it was just WWE out there. Um mm-hmm. But they were just uh, they they weren't big tag team fans. I mean, they just were not high on pushing a lot of tag teams. If 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 you saw your your um, the tag a tag team match on on the TV, it was two singles guys put together, and uh, mm. you know, they would have a they would have a little run maybe with the titles for a few months, and then they'd split them up and they would feud. I mean, there, there was just no solid tag teams out there. So I think that's a lot of the reason why we got the attention we did. Uh, because mm-hmm. we were a, we were a strong unit that you know people hadn't seen in years. So uh, for us to carry on a, a tag team and be successful for you know the the five uh, five six years that we did, you know people hadn't seen that in a long time, man. So um, I think we got a, a great run out of that, and you know like like you were saying, you know repackaging helped, and um, yeah, man, I, I, it just uh, it was a great run. Mm. And I, and I think repackaging is probably even a wrong word. Like, 
evolution of character as well because you know, yes, and, you know yeah. in, in 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 wrestling you always have to evolve and 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 for example i i i always mention chris jericho being the dave grohl of professional wrestling because he's sort of been relevant in in the wrestling world for 30 years like dave grohl's been relevant in the music world for 30 years and and it's an evolvement of character evolvement of performer and and so forth and i definitely saw that evolvement from you guys there and and, and turning making that heel turn and as you said adding gal kim into it really you know tipped it over the edge you know example man i mean he's always been chris jericho but there's been different uh different like you said evolution of him so and he's he has been relevant the entire time um and he was smart a lot of times you know maybe he would take some time off you wouldn't see him he'd come back to where he's fresh again so uh yeah that that guy knew how to do it yeah absolutely and you know with you guys, you know, and and they when they eventually did want to split you guys up, and I think it was around two thousand six. Um, what was the turning point then? Like, was it that the point that you guys both said, you know what, now's the time? Did you feel comfortable? Like, then was the time for you to make that split? I think so. Uh, we yeah, we didn't put a fight up for that. Um, I think we. Uh... I think we were talented enough that where we could have could have kept going if 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 need be, um, but the the idea of the turn was brought up, and I think we were both like you know hey man we you know we we did this tag team thing let's see if we can uh, hang in singles you know we, we, that's where we're that's where our experience had been, so uh, yeah we were good for it man and um, and Storm and I always had chemistry and you know, back in the Indies before TNA started. Uh, you know, we had wrestled each other a lot on the Indies. So we had chemistry as a team, obviously, but we had chemistry in the ring against each other too. So we really felt like, you know, we could make something happen. You know, we, if we did a, a turn really well, um, then we could, we could really make something happen. So yeah, maybe, maybe it was time, you know, um, I think it could have gone on, but um, this is the direction they took. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know, let's, let's see what happens. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, and also, you know, obviously, you know, when they did the storyline of you you splitting um, and then, you know, basically coming with the, the eye patch out um, as well and, and, and attacking Storm, you know, was it all very thought out, the, the split? Like, did, did you guys really want to have it detailed on how you wanted it to be played out or were you just like week to week just doing whatever was told? No, I think it was really thought out. Um, and 
not only by us, but by, uh, you know, like Vince and, and Jeff. Um, I think it was thought out because, uh, it, like I said, you know, what people were used to on TV, you know, seeing guys, oh, they just uh, get in an argument, they start beating each other up. The next week they're wrestling each other. With Storm and I, even the turn itself, like we were – we were on our way of turning back babyface, so the crowd was starting to get into us. So they mm. were the energy into the team at that time was starting to come back to where the people were really into us again. So they were ready for another run, man. So it's almost like even though we were heels turning babyface for Storm, you know, and he he always carried that beer bottle with him, so that that's that seemed like a, a natural fit right there. So he smashes me in the in the eye with the beer bottle. People couldn't believe it because they they had invested so much into that team, and to see something like that happen, especially when they were starting to get the, the, the get into us again, getting and the support coming back. So him hitting me in the eye uh, with the beer bottle, I thought was a great turn. I think it was an old school turn, uh, yeah. seeing something like that, and and so it really, you know, the fans felt betrayed. And um, once that happened. And uh, me being just diehard wrestling, you know, they, they took me off TV for a, a couple months um, where I, I, I think I did a couple interviews with the eye patch and, and things like that. But, but there was times where they weren't even bringing me into TV. And I was like, man, I, I, I don't know what to do with myself. I have to be a TV. Have and um, Jeff was like, you know, no, we're going to keep you off for a little bit. And, you know, and, and I think you were asking about how much thought was put in it. I think that that shows there was thought into it because they, they, the, the program lasted, you know, we weren't mm. right back in the ring the, the following week. You know, we, 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 uh, you know, let this, let this uh, sink into everybody and, and kept it going as long as we could, you know, storms, storms out there wrestling every week. And uh, you know, he's getting the, the push where he can you know, get, start building on a singles run. And anytime he got a microphone in his hand, you know, he would always remind the people, you know, they never forgot. He would remind them and he would even tell them, you know, he, you know, uh, Wildcat's not coming back, you know, he's done. And they would do interviews with me where you know, I was like, oh, uh, you know, they're, 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 um, you know, I got so much percentage of my vision back and uh, we just kind of built to it. And then, then I started attacking him on, on, uh, on TV, still with the eye patch. So the story was still there. Yeah. And it, so there was months before we even had, had a match. So, yeah, man, I, w- I was really happy with the story. I thought it was great because once once people saw me come out, they were ready for it, and they wanted me to kick his ass. And, you know, shortly thereafter, you know, you you departed uh, TNA. What was the, the reason behind that? Was it just contract ran out, negotiations couldn't be met between the two parties, or what was the reason behind leaving? Yeah, man, it was uh, it was kind of all the above. Um I thought uh, so. Storm and I had a great run. Um, uh, we uh, would beat the shit out of each other, and uh, I think we got the, you know their attention. And then uh, you know Storm went on and, and had some great programs. I got had some programs with. Uh, I got to wrestle Christian a few times. That was great. Um, then they put me with uh, Dustin, which he was debuting that new character. And then little by little, man, it just felt like. Um, uh, it just felt like, you know, the, the, we were just starting to be pushed down a little bit and um, not really, you know, after all those years, uh, just kind of building our reputation up, you know, there just wasn't a whole lot going on. And uh, we were just kind of being put on, on side, on the side. And uh, in my opinion, this is also when they were bringing in a lot of uh, 
a lot of star talent. It's, it just seemed like anybody that had left the WWE, they would scoop them up, and all of a sudden they were stars in our promotion, and the, the young guys were just uh, – the young upcoming guys were just forgotten. So um, that's kind of how I felt about it. Um, and, you know, timing was everything. You know, my contract was coming up. They hadn't been doing anything with me. I tried to talk to Vince uh, a couple times about it, and, you know, there really wasn't anything going on. Um, and and I, I kind of joked a lot of times because uh, – and I don't necessarily put Kurt Angle in this category because, you know, he was such a great addition for us. Um, and he came in, and he was he was great with all the, all the guys. Uh, he wanted to work with the young guys. Um, but Kurt was in so many segments on TV – it was like, you know, one after the other. And so I made it, I made a crack, you know, a couple of times where it's like, you know, well, you know, he, he's having so much TV time, you know, that nobody else has a chance to really build their, their character or anything. And so they started putting me with him and actually saying stuff like that on, uh, on the air. Like, you know, Hey, I guess if I'm going to get TV time, I got to be in a Kurt Angle skit. And uh, so <laughs> I'm not sure what direction they were taking from that. When I, what I heard was, you know, I've, I was eventually going to be put with him and, you know, hopefully something done, but I didn't know if they were just saying that because the contract was coming up. Um, but yeah, man, there was just, it was just uh, it was a timing thing. There wasn't a whole lot going on. And then when the offer came in for the new contract, you know, I was taking a pay cut. And so there was, um, there was just a lot of things going on and um, I just wasn't happy with the direction and so I, uh, you know, we, we call it the feelers, you know, sent the feelers out. And, um, and I had heard that there was interest with WWE. So um, I explored that and, you know, and um, kind of saw what was on the other side. And, you know, it was just trying to figure out what, what was best for me, you know, what, what direction should I go? And, um, you know, of course, you know, age factors in on that, you know, if I'm going to do something, you know, you can't wait till, till, you know, a certain age and, um, so, yeah, I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot of thought put into this. And, um, you know, of course, we, we can all look back and say, you know, we'd like to do things different. But at the time, it just seemed like, you know, that I, I took a chance. You know, you take chances in life and, uh, and, and careers. And a lot of the chances I had taken in my career at this point had, had worked out. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was I was willing to, you know, uh, roll the I dice, remember. roll the dice, see what happens. And so. Uh, yeah, the contract just ran out. I mean, I wasn't, I was never let go. Um, I think that, I think that story's out there somehow that they just, they released me, but the contract just ran up and I didn't sign. And so I uh, took my chances, man, and signed with WWE. Did they give you an explanation why they were going lower? Like, I don't want to know what your contract was worth or anything like that, but did they at least give you an explanation and say, hey, business for us is bad this is why we have to offer you this was there an explanation of the of the cut uh the only thing i can remember hearing was uh the word restructure they were just trying to restructure all the contracts uh to where they were all kind of on a level playing field Mm -hmm. i guess um which i'm not sure if i bought that because as i said before they were bringing a lot of top names and and i know they weren't they weren't getting pay cuts so uh i'm not sure what it was no i never got uh, a really great explanation because if i did and and you kind of hear after being in the business for so long you kind of hear this that maybe we just weren't communicating right you know maybe if we had communicated a little bit more um i feel like i feel like things could have been worked out because i don't think they wanted to let me go and i 
certainly didn't want to be let go. Um, we just needed to, to come to some kind of happy medium, I guess. And uh, we just weren't communicating uh, so much that I remember at one of my last TVs on the same day. And I don't even know how this got out there, but uh, uh, two different times, Jeff and Dixie Carter each had come up to me at separate times and congratulated me on signing a new deal. And I, as I'm shaking their hands, I'm looking at them saying, I, I haven't signed, you know, and I, that hasn't gotten that far yet. And so they were kind of shocked because I think they, they thought something was going to happen. So that makes me feel like they wanted something to happen. I wanted something to happen and it didn't. So somewhere along the line, there was, there was a breakdown in communication. And, uh, and I, I wish we could have done, done that whole situation over and made something work. But, um, but, you know, that's just looking back, you know, I, I was taking my chances and going a different direction. Do you think that they expected you to re-sign the contract with a pay cut just to sort of remain with the company? Like, do you think that that's, was their, I don't want to say game plan, but do you think that that was their thought pattern behind it? Uh, Maybe. Um, I'm not really sure from their side how they were looking at it. I don't know if they were maybe lowballing me and seeing where we can negotiate from there or, uh, if they just expected me to stay because I, I considered myself a loyal employee. I mean, I was a TNA guy, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I could have stayed there for forever and, uh, and been happy. So uh, maybe they did just expect that. And uh, when it wasn't going that way, I don't, they seemed shocked. And I, I remember once after my last TV, once I was gone, um, I heard from, you know, a friend of a friend kind of thing that uh, Vince Russo was shocked. Uh, I never got a face to face with him about it, but I had heard that he he couldn't believe that I actually left that he. So I know he expected me to stay and um, him and I haven't talked about that in a long time. But um, but yeah, so I, I think they all thought something was going to be worked out and I wish it would have. But um, but it didn't. So uh, I think they were I, I think they held a grudge for a long time. Mm. But, you know, everything that happens in the wrestling world is forgiven. You know what I mean? Like it, the, the the grudges that you see, like then they're, they're not really held of a, you know what I mean? Like everything can be forgiven in time, essentially. I, y- lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I have to agree with you. Yeah, in the wrestling business, you know, we've seen so much stuff to where, you know, things have been forgiven and and uh, people have made peace out of things. But uh, at that time, just the things I was hearing and uh, even fast forward a year or two, you know, when I you know tried to talk to them about maybe coming back, they weren't hearing it. So they they did hold a grudge for a little bit. I mean, I you know, eventually I think things were OK, but but yeah, man, they uh, they weren't interested in do, doing something with me, uh, even when I you know, try to talk to them about maybe coming back. So, um, yeah. It sounds like they just acted like, what's that? I said, it just sounds like they acted like teenage girls. No, you broke up with me. So no, you can't talk to me anymore. (laughs) They, they took it personal, man. Um, and you know, they, they were probably, I don't know. I I can't speak for them. You know, I don't, I don't think anybody has that, 
that bad of a heart, but uh, I don't know if they kind of had a smile on their face when they saw it didn't work out with WWE or what. But uh, yeah, when I had talked to them about, you know, hey, can we do something, you know, as far as coming back, they they were not interested. Wow. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, going to WWE and, you know, getting the opportunity to go over there. And, you know, in January 2008, you announced uh, that you'd sign with, with WWE. Um, <clears throat> yeah, what was what was there a plan of, a, of of what they wanted? Like, I know they came up with the name Braden Walker. Um, and, you know, what was the plan behind Braden Walker? Like, were you pushing to, you know, keep the, the, the Chris Harris name? Or were you just saying, yeah, I'll, I'll be whatever you want me to be? Yeah, I, I, I went in with an open open mind, man. I mean, I had to have a open attitude. Um, I, I knew going into it that, um, you know, Wildcat Chris Harris was probably gone. So, you know, the, the whole name, I mean, it, anytime we go back to that period of time and, you know, people talk, want to talk about, you know, what, what went wrong and, uh, you know, the deal they gave me and things like that, I mean – some of the things, you know, I, I was ready to take on because I, I had confidence in myself that I could kind of break through and, and shine through all this. So um, given a, a name change, you know, I could have made that work. You know, I mean, now it's kind of like, you know, with a black mark, Braden Walker's with a you know big black mark. Um, and that's OK. But um, but but no, I wasn't, you know, give me a name change. You know, I'll still make it work. I'm still myself. So I could I could break through. But um no, as, as far as what they were giving me when I first walked in, man, it it's uh it was all sunshine and rainbows. I mean, uh, they painted the picture like you know, you know, hey, we got this guy, and um, you know, we're gonna do something with him. And everybody I would talk to, um, they were they were talking so highly, and uh, you know, well, I usually don't throw names out, but uh, you know, like uh, Johnny Ace, John Laurinaitis was mm. talking like, you know, things were so great. He was one of the guys that wanted to bring me over. Um, when I talked, when I went down to the training center, uh, Tom Pritchard was talking great things. And um, so when they brought me in, you know, but, but I quickly found out, man, that there was no thought put into this whatsoever. Um, it makes me look back on it like, you know, why did you even sign me? Um, but mm. you know, there was there was no thought, no direction. Um, I met with the, uh, the writers of, of – both shows uh for for hours um i went to the to the titan towers and uh met with them and we we talked for hours about you know, different directions we we would go i gave them my history and and everything and I, I figured okay you know great talk i went out of that room with uh you know i was like okay we got something going let's do something and and there was absolutely nothing man um as far as the name goes, like I said, I, I could have made anything work, but they didn't even put thought into that. I mean, I was having my first match on TV uh, that night, and they were still coming up with a name. And I, they finally sent me a list of, you know, a number of names that I was looking at. And, you know, I was trying to compromise with them. So I, I had a little bit of input as far as, you know, what I could work with. Um, but that um, – yeah, that that name was was what we came up with, and I was I I was like, okay, whatever, you know, let's let's just move on. You know, the name is not going to stop me, so let's move on and do something with this. So, um, but yeah, man, I mean, the, the bottom line is, you know, that there was no no thought or direction put into put in anything. And I think as well, like at that time, they had just like a plethora of talent 
you know, at WWE, you know, it, almost like they had so much talent that they didn't know what to do with it all. You know, I think so because I, if I remember right, that that's when um, they were doing the. I think they had the ECW show, um, but but it was mainly used to bring in new talent. Um, yeah, it was so, like a, know, it was kind of like development now, like. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, but to give you an example, I mean, and, and I don't want to blame it on the, the TNA uh, thing. Um, I think at that time, obviously, a lot of guys have broke through this whole TNA barrier. But at that time, I don't think they were they had no interest in acknowledging your history or, you know, if, if there was somebody coming from TNA, they were not interested in doing anything with them. And and there was a couple examples before me. I know Frankie Gazarian was trying went in there. Mm. He got signed. They did nothing with him. Monty Brown went in, which I think Monty is a, a it was just a star waiting waiting to explode. They and he retired it. after that. Like he didn't he? Like he just he just disappeared. Yeah. Once he got out, he just uh, he kind of got out of the business a little bit. So, uh, but yeah, they could have done something with him. So, so I think the whole TNA brand thing. I, I think that did hover over me a little bit. Um, I don't know if they just wanted you know looking to bring me in because of that and just do nothing. I, I really don't know. I can't speak for him, but it felt like that there was just um, no direction. And um, I'm glad to see that eventually guys had broken out of that because um, um, obviously AJ, but Bobby Roode and uh, Samoa Joe, you know, guys like that, you know, they, they brought them in, acknowledged where they had been. They kept their name. You know, they're, they're the same guys that they were in TNA. So I'm glad eventually it, it came through. But it, at the time I was there, they they were – I mean, they wanted to change everything. They they wanted nothing to do with that. And um, so that's – you know, that's that's I felt like I was just, you know, trying to knock down a brick wall to make make something happen here. And I, I was throwing out ideas. I was doing whatever I could to, to just get something going. Yeah, and – it it sounds like you know it would have been frustrating for a lot of like for for you to be continually trying to go down that road. Like, did you get to a point where you were like, you know, like this is just getting exhausting? Like, did you get to a point where you wanted to get released from WWE so you could go and do something else, or were you just like still happy to be in that moment? No, I, I absolutely wanted out. Um, I think the first. I'm going to guess maybe the first couple months I was excited to be there. I was, I was excited as far as where I could go, but yeah, once, once, um, once I was doing the skits in the back and the matches I was having, and there was just no, no buildup or anything um, like that. Uh, yeah. I saw, I saw what was happening and it, it was just, it was, it was miserable to go to work. I mean, I should, I mean, this, this was a dream of mine and I should love going to work every day, whether, no matter what I was doing, but, uh, it just got to the point where I was, I would show up at the building and I, I couldn't stand being there. I just had, uh, so much anxiety. It was just, um, it was just awful going to work. I mean, I hated the surroundings. Uh, I hated being there. And just to give you an example of kind of what I'm talking about, um, I went at the same time that, uh, the truth did Ron Killings. Yep. Yep. We went at the same time. I don't necessarily think they looked at him as a. I mean, he was a TNA guy, but if you remember, he did get started in WWE. So, in, in a yeah. sense, in a sense, he was kind of one of their guys. 
Well, we went at the same time. We signed our deal at the same time. We went to Titan Towers at the same time, traveled together the first um, first few trips. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but what they did with him, um, they sent a, 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 a film crew, a camera crew to his hometown and did some uh, some vignettes and packages of him talking about his hometown and how he grew up. And, uh, you know, they were, they were getting into the character. I mean, you were learning who uh, I think his, his name was our truth. Uh, you were learning who, who our truth was. And so by the time he comes out on TV, people at least have some kind of invested interest in this guy. Like, you know, Hey, we got his background and um, you know, we're kind of interested mm. to see what this guy can do. And Ron can definitely deliver in the ring. So there was no uh, question about that. So once he got in the ring, you know, he, he energizes the people. Hell, he's to this day, he's one of the he's one of the best parts about their program is our truth. I mean, he's uh, so the charisma and just the energy he has uh, still to this day. But but my point is they put a lot of thought into that and put a lot of uh, yeah. packaging into um, into his character. Whereas with me, I did a little skit in the back where people didn't, you know, didn't care. And they put me out there in the ring, you know, to where people are like, you know, who is this guy and why should we care? So, yeah, man, I, you know, you'd think for a, for a billion dollar company and as many writers as they had at the time, you know, yeah. come on guys, you know, we, we come up with something, you know, get, give me something and I'll make it work. But there was, there was nothing. And that would be the hardest frustrating part, especially if you're a talent trying to come up with ideas and, and you're pitching ideas as well. And they're saying no, we just haven't got anything for you. And you're and you're sitting there pitching them, you know, multiple ideas, and they're just sort of cutting out. It it, it would have been extremely frustration for you. But like, was it? Did you find like, obviously, that was a dream of being in WWE. Once you sort of left WWE, like, what was your your feeling with that? Like, how are you feeling mentally about leaving there? Well, I was definitely drained. And, uh, you know, I, I hit a dark part of my life after that. But um, you were asking me as far as uh, being happy to leave. Uh, yeah, I wanted out so bad. And um, I think my last TV, the last match I did, uh, I had a little talk with uh, Johnny Ace and I tried to be positive about it. Um, I was like, you know, hey, man, I know it's, it's you know, kind of frustrating right now, but, you know, let's, let's keep plugging away and, uh, you know, I'll keep, you know, putting a hundred percent in. And uh, I think either the, the next day or the day after uh, is when I got the call from him and uh, got the release. And um, I remember being outside on my deck when I was taking the call, I was talking to him and uh, the girl I was dating at the time was in my living room. And uh, I walked inside from the deck after I had hung up the phone and I uh, said, I got my release. And she looked at me and she said, that's the first time you've smiled in months. Wow. So just, you know, for her to say that to me, and that really kind of showed me right there that, you know, I just had not been myself for a long time. And, um, you know, you, you, you think you'd be upset to get a release from the WWE. Man. I, I, wanted out, I wanted out so bad. Um, I didn't know where I was going to go. Um, of course, the big question mark of my wrestling career had to be on my mind, but I just knew I was, um, I was just, I was going downhill fast, uh, being, being there. And so, uh, yeah, I needed out. And, um, you know, I even took time off after that. I mean, I, I just wasn't myself. Even if I was to go back to Indies, I just wasn't myself. So, 
Um, yeah, I, I, it was a, it was pretty downtime for me at the time. And did you think that you just needed the time to yourself to, you know, away from wrestling to be able to appreciate it again? Yeah, I had to, uh, because I, wrestling was my passion, man. That's all I thought of. Um, you know, I didn't have a, 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 a family or kids or anything at, at the time. So I, I was ready to go all in, man. I mean, I was, I, I even told WWE when I got there, I was like, I, I'm in, I'm whatever you guys need me to do. If I'm on the road all the time, I didn't mind, you know, a lot of guys complain about being on the road. I, I was ready to, you know, jump into this thing and, and do whatever I had to do. But, um, mm. Yeah, to get back out, I mean, I, I could tell the – the I couldn't give you the timeline, but whenever I would do a, a show, it just it just wasn't myself, man. And, I yeah, I needed some time away and uh, just to kind of regroup and maybe get my mind right, um, you know, just uh, kind of, fo- you know, focus on the next direction. But, yeah, it, it, it took a while, man. I mean, I was, I, was, I was down for a long time. Oh, uh, you know, and – and that's the thing after I think going through that, you know, you know, mentally, you know, you would really have to sort of take a step back and sort of reevaluate where you wanted to take the next steps and, and what you wanted to do in your career. But, it, you know, even then, like it's, you know, I think by getting to WWE and I think that a lot of young stars, they have their mentality of WWE is the goal and you know you've seen over the years once people get there it's not what they it's all cracked up to be <laughs> you know what i mean like it's the grass is never always greener on the other side of the of the road you know no man it's interesting um you know i i think we see it a lot because podcasts are so so popular nowadays um mm. so we we get to hear a lot of what the guys are feeling um whether you were there for a short time like me or you actually spent you know, maybe a few years, you know, and, and got a, got a good run for a few years. It's, it's just really interesting to me that some of the guys that once they leave, it's, it's like that they've just, the, the chains have been broken, you know? Uh, yeah. So even those that have, that did get the breakthrough and make something work. Um, once they get out of there, they just feel like, you know, Hey, I can be myself again. You know, they just, they just try to program you so much. It's like, you're a robot. Um, mm. I mean, a lot of us get into wrestling because of our love of it, our, our passion. We want to put our heart and soul into it. You get there, and they 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 want to control you. They, you know, they want to have the the remote uh, while they control the robot. And you know, mm. you gotta you gotta you know, uh, even in promos, I mean, they give you the script to do it. Whereas you know, back in the day, man, they give you some bullet points and hey, take off, get mm. your thing, you know, put your put your put your character into it and. And get it going now. It's like word for word, these guys got to go by. And I don't know, man. I mean, um, you know, the guys that are on top now, you know, they're going to be uh, supportive of WWE. You put a microphone in front of their their mouth, they're going to say it's the greatest thing, and that they've done everything for me. And <laughs> and, and yeah. you know, hey, if you want to make the money, that's the place to be. You know, you can you can let them control you, and you get a good paycheck. So I'll never look down at the guys for that because. You know, we're in the business to make money as well. But if, you know, you want to be free and have, you know, a little bit of, um, I hate to use the word creative control because the guys shouldn't always have that. But if you want to be yourself and just, um, you know, whatever gimmick you're given, uh, whatever persona you're given, you know, you got to put you into that. And um, a lot of guys aren't able to do that um, 
in the WWE world. You know, we're, I think we're seeing it a lot. You know, I'll use AEW for example because it's the newest company, but a lot of these guys that are going on there, you know, they're getting to put a little bit of themselves into into their character, and yeah. um, when they get in the ring, they get they get to you know have their own match whether that uh, instead of you know being being programmed to what they can what they can and can't do in the ring so uh i think that you know a lot of the guys that and there there's a handful of guys now that have left um and they have had a good career in wwe but once they get to aew i mean they, they feel like i said the chains are off man they, they can be themselves and they're they're a lot more free so um i'm glad guys get a good paycheck but I'm glad there's a place, you know, and and there's a lot of promotions right now. I think the the, the wrestling business is great because it's, there's so many opportunities out there. But um, you know, we, we got some open doors to where people can be free now and 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 you know, put you know, put a lot more thought into their own work. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, and and of and and build the character and evolve the character and continue to work on it. Whereas like. Yeah, now is the perfect opportunity for for young guys to do that. Yeah, so. man, I, I I tell the guys all the time, um, you know, and and wrestling goes in stages. That's that's just that's life, and that's how the business works. But but right now, um, you know, indie promotions are hot. There's some shit shows, you know, there there always will be. But there's a lot of promotions right now, for, so there's a lot of opportunities for the the young, hungry guys, man. I mean, you know, you, you go out there, you get noticed. And, you know, there's there's a lot of places to work right now. So um, I really support, you know, all these guys getting out there. I, I, I love that there's the opportunities because I want mm. these guys to, to make a name for themselves. I want them to get paid and make be able to make a living as a as a pro wrestler. So, uh, you know, I, I, I love kind of where the business is and where it's going um, mm. as, as far as the outside of the WWE bubble. Yeah, 100 percent. I, I completely agree. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the night where it is Guess the Australian Slang. We've told Wildcat Chris Harris all about this game. Chris, have you ever been to Australia? Uh, I have not. Um, but uh, when I was uh, coming up and paying pay my dues in the business back in those years I was telling you about, I had a traveling buddy. Um, I'll give a shout-out to Ashley Hudson. I don't know if people remember him or not. I met him in the Nashville area, but um, he was from Australia, from Perth. And uh, oh, wow. I traveled with him, so I got all kinds of stories about it and how beautiful it is. So, yeah, uh, yeah if, there, if there's ever a place uh, that I would want to, you know, on my list of places to go, man, I would love to visit it. But, no, I have not been there. So uh, so this is this this will be interesting. He He's my only uh, – saving soul right now like whatever you throw at me i'll have to see if i'd ever heard it before with him so <laughs> all right no drama as well you know what we'll see if we can give you a bit of a crash course first one is hey chris before you come over to my joint can you pick up a slab champ no idea <laughs> that a slab is a case of beer I was going to say alcohol. I figured, out, hell, Australians love to drink. I, that's got to be yeah. what it is. <clears throat> Oi, seriously, can you tell that fucking idiot to stop being such a sook? What's a sook? Fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, more like someone who's like uh, sulking, 
you know, crying. Like if you've got like a little kid that's like whingy and whiny, you call them a sook. They're being a sook. Like a woe is me kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. All right. Okay. So next, the next one is Sheila. Poor. Yeah, Check out the gimmicks on that Sheila. Yeah, that's that. That's a woman, girl. Uh, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> All right. So traveling on the roads. Yeah, you, I heard that many times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you did. Okay, so we'll go another one. Uh, or we'll go a few more. But this one is Budgie Smuggler. Oh budgie shit! Smuggler. Yeah, budgie smuggler. Oh shit! Me old man's over at my house today, and uh, he's wearing his budgie smuggler. He's out of the pool. Okay, so it's a piece of clothing. Uh, I don't know. I, I, that's all I got. Piece of clothing. It's a speedo. Speedo. <laughs> yeah, so they call it a budgie smuggler because when you get out of the water, it looks like. You... Never mind. Um, that's all you had to say yeah exactly when you say it looks like and you went like this i'm like okay i got it yeah 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 okay the next one is root root Mm -hmm. i had a good root last night uh is that a meal dinner it's uh sex oh root so yeah like that that's why because like root and rooting means like fucking right so when we australians when we were younger like in, in my teenage years and i see like a, a tv show and they're like america's like yeah we've been rooting for you would like australians would be like <laughs> like what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> i'm gonna have to use that with my wife tonight they're like hey let's, <laughs> let's get some rooting going <laughs> i love it okay so i've got a couple more for you all right next one is Hey, mate, can you pass me a stubby holder? Stubby holder. Stubby holder. Uh, yeah, stubby over here could mean quite a few things. So uh, maybe maybe a beer holder? Is that uh, maybe something like that? You got it. You got it. Stubby holder is like a beer koozie, something to keep like a you koozie kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we, we, we've got another one. Dead set. Are you fucking dead set or what? Dead set. Well, uh, I've heard that before, so I would I would go with you know. Are you are you are you die hard on on this idea? Are you set on this idea? Dead set. Yeah. Are you are you dead set? Are you are you being serious right now? Yeah. You hundred percent. You okay? Yep. Okay. Oh, fucking mozzies abiding. You might have to say that one again. The fucking mozzies are biting. Mozzies are biting. Um, What's a mozzie? Fish. No, mosquito, mozzies. Mosquito, okay. All right, so I've got another one for you. Okay, and this will be the last one. Oh, mate, I think I might go to Macca's. Going to Macca's? Yeah, I'm going to go to Macca's. Uh, uh, let's go back to the to the alcohol. Maybe a pub? Let's go to the pub? No, completely different. It's uh, McDonald's. Oh, it's, it's, that's not what it's called over there, is it? 
No, McDonald's is called McDonald's, but we nicknamed it Macca's because Australia will call it, we have to abbreviate everything. So it's like Macca, Macca's, like for someone like, for yourself, will abbreviate your name, would call you Chris-O for short of Chris, which is actually longer than Chris. But, you know, we're oxymorons here in Australia, Chris. That's just how we operate. Man, you stumped me more times than I thought. I thought I'd, I'd, I I was I would do a little better than that. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of pissed at my buddy Ashley now. <laughs> he should have trained you better, bro. He should have trained you better. Me, he should have had me worked on this. 100%. But, you know, Chris, what have you got coming up uh, in the near future, man? Oh, uh, man, well, I spent a lot of my time, uh, the, the promotion that I came up with in the Cincinnati area, um, I spent a lot of time training the new guys, man. I, I, I knew at some point um, when I got out of the ring, um, I always felt like I could give back and, and I still had something to offer. So um, I spent a lot of time with, with those guys and uh, just offering any kind of uh, expertise or advice or anything I can do. And um, it's, it's kind of like a whole new gratification when I see them out there and doing their thing and uh, shining. So um, I'm really trying to get some of those guys going and getting out and getting, you know, making those independence and getting some things going. So uh, I, that's where I spend a lot of my time now. Um, I still do um, events. I do, do a personal appearances um, uh, before the whole COVID thing. I, I was doing a lot of conventions. Um, so I'm still getting out there. I mean, I, it, it feels good that, you know, there's still interest, but um, uh just a, a a month or two ago, I I did an appearance on Impact um, with Storm. It was his one thousandth match, and so they brought me in for uh, for a couple weeks, and uh, we did some skits. And it was it was great to be back, and uh, that really got the attention. I got a lot more attention than I thought it would. So uh, the whole social media thing blew up, and people loved seeing us back. It had been a number of years, mm. and so. Um, We've had a lot of offers as far as doing some uh, um, an AMW uh, reunion. Um, That'd be cool. So, uh, yeah, well, and there's been talk of uh, uh, doing a match. I mean, if I ever did a match again, I would definitely want it to be part of Impact, you know, on TVs where everybody could see it. But uh, we do have one coming up. I'll I'll bring up uh, June 5th. We're in West Virginia. Um, Looks like Madison, West Virginia. Um, Storm will be wrestling, and uh, I will be there in his corner. So uh, that'll be one of the one of the first ones we do um, that a lot of people are really looking forward to. Um, I got something else coming up June twenty seventh. Uh, for anybody that's uh, within distance of where I am in the Cincinnati area, um, on that date I will be doing a tag team seminar. Um, for the promotion uh, here in uh, uh, Cincinnati. It's the Northern Wrestling Federation. Their training center is called Bone Crushers. Uh, But we're doing a tag team seminar, and that should be a lot of fun. Um, Guys can come and uh, just – I'll be talking all all I can about uh, learning the psychology of tag team wrestling. So um, there's some upcoming things, and uh, looking forward to it. And whatever else, you know, once this COVID thing is done and – and we can get fans back, you know. The I think the fans are ready. I know the get all yeah. the guys are ready, man. We're we're all ready to get back where we were because you know we perform for the fans. So uh, it has it just hasn't been the same. It hasn't been the same watching it on TV. Um, I admire the guys for 
pushing through all that. I mean, I don't know if I could wrestle with no crowd there. Not to say I haven't done it on the Indies. I've I've, I've wrestled in front of ten. I've wrestled in front of ten people before, but um, just because nobody paid to kit to come. So uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I I, I think uh, we're ready to break loose. You know, the, the I think wrestling's gonna gonna explode again. I think we're uh, you know days are, are you know months away from uh, from getting back to where we were and and the people filling back in and uh, we're get, give them what they want to see, man. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to see where we're going to go. Absolutely, man. We can't wait. And, you know, like we, this has gone an hour and 24 minutes and it's literally just flown by, Chris. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'd like to actually offer you to come have you come back again because I feel like you and I could easily talk for another two hours. Uh, I do want to be uh, careful and courteous of your time, but, Please, I'd love to invite you back for a part two uh, whenever you're available to do so, Chris. If you're up I would for love it, to, man, you're uh, you're easy to talk to, and I feel like we just kind of bullshit our way through. And uh, you know, I think I think a lot of what we we talk about, the people want to hear about. So um, you know, wherever your interests are, maybe theirs is too. And hopefully, I uh, enlightened some uh, some of our listeners. Absolutely. And uh, I definitely think we did. We had some good numbers here, Chris. But where can everyone find you on uh, social media? All right, man. Uh, best way is my Twitter, which is at AMW Wildcat. Um, my wife uh, introduced me to Instagram, so I'm new to Instagram, which is <laughs> at AMW Wildcat Chris Harris. So uh, you can also get me on there. I'm learning my way through that. Um and then I also have a, if anybody's uh, interested in merch, uh, merchandise, you know, I, I have t-shirts out there. Uh, oh my gosh. My, 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 my wife just got on here and added that to it. So uh, that's what I was about to say. Thank uh, you, Mrs. Harris. AMWWildcat.com. We got, uh, we got some really cool t-shirts. I have new shot glasses, um, of course, pictures, action figures, DVDs. Um, so anybody that's still interested in, uh, some of that old school kind of stuff, you know, we got everything on there. So, uh, yeah, you can, uh, you can get it there and, um, yeah, man, uh, get in contact with me and, uh, and I'd love to do this again, man. We, uh, I'm sure we can talk, talk another hour. Uh, absolutely, man. Let's get it teed up. But, uh, Chris, thank you for coming on, man. It's been an absolute pleasure and, uh, everyone watching, thank you very much for tuning in guys. As a reminder, make sure you tune in tomorrow, 10 a.m., Australian time, which is 8 p.m. USA Eastern for Angel Medina's Killing the Business, where you get to sit down with the ECW original. He breaks down and gives you his aspect on what he thinks of the business, and he's literally killing the business, ladies and gentlemen. So, make, And he's going to tell you what he thinks is killing the business as well. So make sure you tune in for that one. Again, tune in for Get Funked with Alan Kiwi Funk every Thursday night at 8, uh, 7 p.m. USA Eastern. 9 a.m. Friday mornings, uh, Australian time. So make sure you check that that out, and also make sure to check out Knights of the Gimmick Table with the Dead Presidents, Boogaloo, and Low Rider. But uh, until next time, guys, Chris, it's been a pleasure, and uh, everyone else, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Here's a.